Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back. Let's take a look at marriage. The institution of marriage. And I have heard some people say, hey, marriage is great, but then who wants to live in an institution? So, uh, I've also heard marriage described as as martyrmony. Martyrmony. Wow. Um, also, uh, to be honest, why, why are we even touching on this? Well, mainly because, and by the way, just touching on this topic just ever so slightly, okay? But the main reason is because the latest polls and research indicate that people are fleeing this institute. They're not, by, by that I don't mean they're, they're getting married and then dropping it. I mean they're not even touching it. People are like, I am not even going to get married ever, ever, ever. I may have like 50 kids and me and this dude, this dude or this lady and we're just, you know, do that. But no. No, anything to do with marriage. Marriage is just horrifying. And then, uh, of course, uh, that thought process is bolstered and strengthened by the uh, by the people who've been married, and then everything just went blooming to pieces, and it, and blew up in their face, and then they just are running loose, and they're just like, no, never again. Um. So. I'm going to approach this very cautiously and let me say this these two things to keep in very tight grip that is number one I'm not a marriage counselor I don't have any kind of counseling certification I'm not giving counseling advice at all I'm going to give you an opinion. I'm going to look at some observations. But that's pretty much it. Also, I want to make it super dang clear that I am not a lawyer. And that being the case, I do not practice law, pretend to practice law, pretend to give anyone any kind of legal advice whatsoever. Once again, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some things. I'm going to give you an opinion. And that's kind of where we're going to go with that. Um, I have been in social work. And I have been in child protective services. And uh, I ha am a licensed minister who has done two weddings and several funerals. But uh, the uh, issue is... What I'm going to try to do is approach it from this this way, this standpoint. I'm going to try to look at the Bible thought process, okay? And we're going to look at a little bit of secular 
type stuff. And the uh, the thought process again is addressing <clears throat> the idea of why, 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 why would anybody want to get married when you can just say, hey, you cool staying together, and then you can have all the sex you want and have all the kids you want and all this fun stuff and um, go from there and never even have to worry about it, right? And there are couples that um, that later, after doing that, uh, say, hey, you know, we've been together a long time. Looks like it's going to stay, you know, so um, let's go ahead and, you know, just tie the knot. Um, so, uh, what I'm going to do is, is throw in to the mix what I think God's original thought process is on that. Now, um, obviously, I'm not going to skirt the fact that God wants people to be married. Uh, he makes it very clear in the Bible, if you're looking at the at the uh, standard uh, Bible uh, and even the Torah, I think it's uh, pretty clear that that's the state God would like people to be in, in when they're together and then they're, they're doing a long-term relationship and then when they have kids. And uh, so, first off, interesting, Genesis chapter 2, and by the way, Genesis. Man, people hate that book. Um, there's like a couple, maybe two or three books in the Bible that just people want to just pull out and just burn, and if they're not wanting to burn the whole Bible. But part of that has to do with the fact that you know, people go back and forth on Genesis. Oh, no, no, it's all allegory. He was just suggesting this stuff. And oh, well, no, no, no. There's a bunch of people that wrote Genesis and, and, and Moses read and never really did. It was an agglomeration. It was probably about 10 different authors, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Whatever. Uh, be honest with you, I'm going to stick with the thought process of that. Um, the Bible is the five, you know, the, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible are called the books of Moses. And I'm going to say, hey, I believe uh, Moses wrote them. So here's the thing. Genesis chapter 2. Um, and I'm going to look at this with the ESV version, if that's okay. So we're starting chapter 2, 18. And, and it says that then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to man to see what he would call them. And then whatever the man called every living creature... That was its name. Man gives names to all the livestock, to all the birds of the heavens, to all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused deep sleep to fall 
on the man, and while he was asleep, he took his rib, closed it up with the flesh and the rib that the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And he said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. So, a lot of stuff working in there. Uh, be very honest with you, uh, a lot of different opinions on this little passage here. First of all, uh, it uh, uh, essentially, there are people who feel that the biblical thought process here is to make... Uh, is that God made uh, made uh, Adam a slave? Uh, you know, made him a, a not, not a helper, okay, but a helper in the sense that just basically someone to beat and walk on and and use like garbage and uh, and be a slave to him and and beck and call and he snaps his fingers and she get fetches shoes and all this other crazy garbage. And that's not, that's absolutely not what I'm seeing here. First thing, the first observation, really, I mean, that I see in this passage, is the fact that God had made all kinds of things, and He called them good. He called them good. He called them tov. Is the is the word. Uh, in Hebrew. But he said, God said, God looked at this and he said, this guy can't be by himself. This being cannot be by himself. This is not, this is no good. This is no good. This, this, this is really not going to work. Now, when God says something's not going to work, it ain't going to bloom and work. Um, this dude needed help. Not a whipping post. Not a slate. Not any of this weirdness. He needed help. Someone that was a... And I like the word compliment better. Helper kind of makes it sound like, Ah, oh, hey, go get me my stuff. But that's, that's not what's going on. It's basically someone who can do things that he can't. That's better at doing things than he can you know than, than he can and those things may be different but it's still ultimately important that he have someone that can do that um now just a little caveat um i was engaged twice first time uh that engage fell through because i was stupid um, and she was smart enough to break off that engagement. Why? Because I, and, and by stupid, I don't mean I was abusing anybody. That's not what I'm talking about. I just was not looking at the relationship the way I should have and treating her with respect. And I don't mean I was being mean. I was basically 
not be not going in the relationship with with the attitude that look this is a serious thing and this is you know this is something that we need to build on it was it was unfortunately in my brooming head uh, a little one-sided thank god he had mercy on me and straightened my rear end out and brought me someone else who understood hey you know this is how this is going to work and uh this is, and, and then I grew a little bit, got a little more mature about the marriage idea, thought, institution, haha, institution. And, uh, and since then, it's lasted over 30 years. So, it can happen. It can happen. Easy? No. No, 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 no. But here's the issue. The man needed somebody. He needed somebody. And none of these, you know, he, the dog probably came up. dog probably was second runner-up. You know, wow, this is, this, is, this is great. This is great. But still, no. Um, now, the uh, what's fascinating that has been mentioned, I think, in maybe some of the Mishnah is that... Adam, if, if you think about it, Adam had God, okay? He had God. So you would think, wow, if you have the company of the Almighty God, how could there be anything not good? Um, why would he need anyone else? He's got God there. Good grief. How in the world <laughs> could he not, could, could he possibly need anybody else? But the issue was this. God is God. He's transcendent. He is beyond powerful, beyond knowledge, beyond... There is no hope that Adam could have ever had of gaining very much knowledge experience so to speak with a supreme being it just wasn't going to happen but also the, God realized that you know if I leave Adam by himself he's probably just going to get I mean the only people you know, the only person he can love outside of me is himself you know so Adam can go sit by this sit by the pond and stare and Oh, lands, look at how nice I am. You know, that kind of stuff. He could only learn to love himself more. That's not good. You, you see what I'm saying? That's not good. Um, because all of a sudden, Adam kind of can turn into a narcissist, so to speak. Now, the, uh, the issue was when he separated Adam, Eve, and now he has someone else to think about, about their needs, their wants, what makes them happy, someone else. And uh, 
and by the way to encourage that process uh, he says and they shall become one flesh so that's sex yeah absolutely it is and oh my goodness you're kidding me God invented sex oh that's unreal and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed boom there you go so the issue is um the uh, there was one God separated the one into two and then told the two to become one because there was still in a sense incomplete without each other so now um now this is the original kind of situation later in the new testament you hear passage where jesus talks about that some people are made eunuchs uh you know some people are born that way where they they're just not interested in in relationships with the other with the other sex in that way um and they just want to you know kind of be on their own um confirm bachelors or bachelorettes however you want to look at it and then some people you know, he says some people are made eunuchs you know for reasons but essentially that's the uh, exception to the rule not the rule itself the rule itself is genesis 2. now how do you feel about you know and there's all kinds of, of uh, venom and vitriol uh, thrown on this verse because again a lot of people feel like and unfortunately there are some some boneheads uh, out there that use this passage to try to make it sound like women are inferior when the passage is not saying that <laughs> at all and so the issue is uh, uh, from this standpoint is uh, he set it up because, look, this is, of course, the start of the family. Uh, they start having kids. Now, in this marriage, you have God doing the ceremony, and God is the witness. Now, later, marriages looked at, in later in the Old Testament, in more of a covenantal situation, a covenant, an agreement. Now, why is that? Because marriage had more than just ramifications of two people and their kids. It had, the village was involved. The community was involved. Two families were involved, and there was the dowry, and there was the the, the building of the house, and uh, and especially in Jewish culture, uh, the, uh, the the house would be an addition to his father's house, and she would come and live in that addition with her husband, and then it would be, you know, you would have the extended family really close. But it was a community thing, and it was a protection. Part of the thing was, um, it was a joining of two families, and it was supposed to make the community stronger. So it wasn't just about the two people and their kids. It was about the community. Now, 
the the issue also was that marriage was a a protection for both of them in that there was very specific things that husbands and wives were not supposed to do and that were supposed to do for each other. And by the way, in in Jewish Mishnah, uh, sex was not supposed to be something you had to beg for. It was supposed to be something that would occur. And Shabbat was a day where Jewish couples were encouraged to have sex with each other because it was a gift of God. Now, the uh, now to set that right there for just a second, okay? So there's the biblical thought thought processes. All right. Um, let's look at some secular thoughts. All right, secular thoughts. Well, again. You're going kind of, and this this is a good transition because the protection to the community is still that. Um, in the ancient times with secular life, it had to do a lot about protection, but also had to do with goods and had to do with with ownership and. In the biblical times, it did as well. Some of these ideas are going to cross over, but the issue is, is uh, look, you know, the guy. Again, why was it that uh, somebody couldn't just go out and have like you know five or six husbands or five or six wives or whatever? Well, they might, but one of those people is going to be prime. That's wife prime, husband prime. Why is that? It's because that's the person who's going to be in control if this if this spouse dies. And it had to do with stuff. It had to do, but more than that, it had to do with position and title and all this. For example, you had a king and a queen. One died, the other one got all the power. And, and not always in every monarchy, but that was kind of a general thought process. Okay, well, you know, or the chieftain dies, well, his wife uh, becomes kind of de facto chief in play. So it had to do, again, about community. It was a, it was a protection. Also, by the way, um, why would the community get you know give a flying flip? Why would they? You know why should they care? Well, in that marriage situation, in that family situation, um, there were roles, expectations from the community on married people too. From this perspective, they didn't just have a bunch of kids and then just say, "Yeah, you know, I'm sick of these kids. Let's move," and so just take off and leave the kids in that community. Because all of a sudden now the community's got X number of kids that are going to die, and you would think, "Oh no, they don't care. They'll let them die." Uh, no, that's not always how that worked. Because you wanted someone to grow into adulthood to to be able to do other things in the community. 
And but all of a sudden they've got these kids and they're like, where, where'd your parents go? Oh, they took off. Oh, they're bored. Well, we're gonna go find them for you. <laughs> or some, yeah. Well, where did they go? Oh, they went to the ne next uh, village over. Yeah, we're gonna go over there and talk to them. Um, yeah, you didn't abandon kids. Hmm. Not usually. Not unless it was an agreed situation to abandon kids. Even Sparta. I mean, Sparta had, um, and that's a Greek group, if you don't know. Um, pretty blooming tough. They were like the Marine Corps of Greece. Uh, they were, but, but they had some very, uh, staunch thought processes about family, kids, and, and, and succession and stuff like that. And by the way, in Greece, um, they had a system of pederasty, which ba basically meant a Greek dude, uh, may get a younger dude and then they have a romantic relationship but and he was help that dude you know and then over time would uh may, would make sure he's educated and set him up and put him into his own estate or something of that nature and then get another one but even in in the process of that that person would normally also have a wife and then she would have kids hopefully in their culture a male kid so he can pass his stuff on and also there was some expectations about how you treat your pa your parents all the way to the day they die and the Jewish society uh, that's pretty important because that's why they lived in these family units is because you didn't just dump grandpa and grandma when they started getting old and needed help. You know, uh, you know, come here, granddad. I wanna, there's a really deep pit over here I want you to look at on the inside. Uh, none of that. Um, so, again, what was it? Protection. It was protection protection because all you know now I've been talking about protection for kids and property but also uh, uh, by the way in both of those societies just running off and abandoning somebody that was uh, that was verboten uh, there were stiff penalties for that in ancient culture, you didn't abandon somebody you had married. I mean, people did, but if the, if um, the area found out about it, um, that wouldn't go so good. Now, the uh, getting back to the the story. Getting back to the story uh, again in Genesis 2. Have you ever wondered why um, God didn't just take a whole bunch of ribs you know, and then replace them, you know, get some more mud and put them back and then make a whole bunch of eaves. Set them up with a whole ton of them, you know, just all over the place. Or why didn't God say, you know, Eve, 
you need more than one dude. So, I'm going to make you a whole bunch of them. I wonder why, why did he not do that? Why didn't he do that? Now, I'm not making any presuppositions at this point, okay? I'm just asking the question. Why was there just one? I mean, obviously Adam could have spared another rib, I mean, for another, you know, or, um, who knows, I mean, Eve might have volunteered, hey, hey, take one of mine, I'm like another dude, you know, he's alright, but he looks, you know, I don't know, he's a little weird, so, if we can get a guy, another guy out here, that'd be awesome. Um, I think it, part of it had to do with the fact that the, uh, the family units, when you start in this fashion, with just the two, just seems to be, and, and I'm going to say this, more efficient. Um, the, uh, there are cultures, including Viking culture, where getting another, uh, per, you know, another wife wasn't necessarily an issue. I know in Viking culture they would go and but but here here, <clears throat> here was here was the catch. Um, you know, if a Viking went out and, and found a girl he liked after doing goodness knows what, he'd bring her back. And obviously, she's a slave, and he said, "Hey, I'm going to make this my wife," and he presents her to his to his first wife. The first wife got to do anything she wanted to that lady and make her life a living hell. Um, at that point, I don't know if they tried to kill themselves or not, but I can tell you. So, there was still that primacy of no matter what, even if there were multiple wives, there's always wife prime. If, if there were multiple husbands, there's always usually husband prime. And I think that concept is... Well, to be honest, it, it kind of makes sense. Uh, that sounds kind of crazy. But God makes sense. He doesn't make up stuff to, to be a cosmic killjoy. He makes things flow in a way that's beneficial if we listen to that. Now, Going back to the thought process that now people just uh, don't want to don't want to get married, okay? But they but they have kids. Well, you can say, and and, and I know there's going to be people say, I know so and so and so and so, and they had kids and everything was great and just on and on and forever and and. He put he put his name on the on the birth certificate of their kids and all that stuff and they never got married and never nothing ever happened. Well, I get that, but here's but here's the issue. Maybe marriages fail sometimes because when you go into it as an afterthought, then you're really not that serious about the commitment aspect. In other words, if you never get married, you always have in your possession, in the recesses of your brain, get out of relationship free card. 
because ultimately uh, if if let's say two people and they're not married they're just together and they have a bunch of kids number one they can just dump those kids and take off because at that point there's no documentation of any kind that indicates who their parents are because again you know just because all you know just because two people all of a sudden you know have a bunch of kids doesn't necessarily mean all the kids are theirs so then the kids lose because they go in the system and then people are you know and and people are a lot more focused on taking care of the kids than they are about tracking down the deadbeat parents um, now you'd say well some kind of document it's not going to you know a marriage document it's not going to keep somebody from running off and abandoning kids no no it's not but you know what it does do is they find their little fannies you can exact some justice out of their behinds for those children that you can do but it's not sublimin easy when uh and it's not so efficient when uh, there's no marriage document involved. Now, I know there are people that, that swear up and down. He would never. He would never do that to me. And, and she would never. I got to tell you how many cases I read of kids that were dumped by people who had no relationship, just people just having cats. Now, here's another issue. Um, if a dude runs off or has another chick on the side okay or another wife on the side um, if you have a marriage document that is illegal and yes you know well yeah but who's going to prosecute that well uh, again you can uh, take a piece of justice out of uh, out of his uh, little pink self uh, for something but if you've got nothing then that's what you can do nothing and so there are some protections involved there's protections involved now again is that going to keep him from from doing that no but I'll tell you what you know once that happens and if it becomes a super horrific event and uh, and the court system and and the abandoned person uh, takes a piece out of that individual maybe maybe if it's bad enough they'll think about it before they do it again so um, Interesting song uh, by Carrie Underwood, uh, Next Time He Cheats. If you've ever heard that song, country song. Uh, basically, the description is, uh, and this they're not even married. It's this boyfriend-girlfriend kind of thing, I guess. And then she finds out he cheated on her, and she beats the tire tar out of his, his truck, his pickup truck, with a baseball bat. And uh, that's... Uh, and then next time maybe he'll think before he cheats that's in there and so and it works the same way on the other side but here's the upshot here's here's the thing 
a verbal agreement is as powerful or as effective as the paper it's written on. And there are people that will say, no, no, you can get a verbal agreement and if they record, blah, blah, blah. well, okay, yes, but, but still, again, think of all the gymnastics you're going to have to go through. Whereas, if you have a marriage certificate, if you have a marriage issue, if you have people who showed up and witnessed that, you know? So, in spite in spite of all the wonderful complications that humans have, God knows it's a better plan. Now, does he let us have, you know, take it on our own? Yeah, sure can. Um, you know, and uh, there were, I'm sure there's people out there that'll swear, man, we never got married, we had a wonderful time, and, and, all, and all these grandkids and stuff. Maybe, I don't know. Never heard that. Never heard it. But maybe so. But still, all things, all things considered, God's plan's better, I think. I really do think it is. And again, God's not some cosmic killjoy. Um, and the times in the Bible where dudes got a lot of extra people, a lot of extra wives, that wasn't his initial idea. <laughs> he allowed it. Why? Because God doesn't make robots. If we want to screw up and we're absolutely insistent on it, he will allow us to do that. Why? Because God gave us free will on purpose so we could love him of our own accord not because he's making us do it so with all that in mind I want to say encourage you to please read the Bible please pray and in your relationships Please include God and God's thoughts in those relationships. I'm begging you. Because I've seen some horrifying things. I mean horrifying things. And I had a crash and burn myself. Because I was being stupid. Um, and I wouldn't want anyone to have to go through that. So, And it's just better. If you do, do if you work things the way God's asked you to. So, with that in mind, I encourage you to keep Thank on you keeping on. To this edition of Speak It On, and as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth.